Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to our latest vodcast. And uh, this is uh, actually uh, Tuesday, and this past Saturday, I was responsible for the ACR ARRS Symposium on Radiation Issues. And what I'm going to do in this talk or talks is basically go through what was discussed at that meeting, look at the individual presentations. It was a terrific session. I've copied some of the slides that were in the handout from some of the speakers, so I'll give them credit for their slides. But I just want to go through some of the things that were discussed. Again, this was a symposium that was about eight hours long, so obviously I'm not going to be able to go through everything. But I wanted you to think about where things are. Now, I began the meeting with a meeting overview, which was basically where we are and where do we need to be. And I made the point starting off that one of the things with radiation issues is we all agree, everyone agrees, that we need to minimize the dose and make things as safe as possible to our patients. But also, I did make the point that a lot of the data in relationship to radiation therapy is controversial, the whole uh, linear theory of radiation uh, many of the things depends on what you're looking at and what you see. And so perspective, and I showed these four slides, everyone thinks they know the truth, but often it's the perspective that can indeed be variable. So same facts might lead to different perspectives. Now, there's no doubt we've come a long way from the days where we were doing, uh, when it wasn't us, people in the shoe stores were using radiation to... Uh, get good uh, fit on your shoes, and that probably was not a great idea, but uh, things have rapidly changed. And it made the point that when we speak about CT, I show this chart that I've used in many talks, and we always spoke about the progress of CT, scan speed, slice thickness, and number of slices. We didn't really talk about radiation. Radiation was something we knew to minimize, but we never really focused on the change in radiation from the different scanner types. Now, when you look at the use of CT, it's been controversial in the sense that people speak about using it too frequently. So, for example, this article talks about how over a 12-year period, we increased by a factor of almost five the use of CT in the ER. Now, of course, in 1995, many ERs did not have scanners, and the patients were done in the hospital. They weren't done at all. But this article also says, forget just the numbers, but... CT is ideal in the ER, rapid, minimally invasive, high-resolution imaging, direct patients toward further treatment when the results are positive and provide reassurance for practitioners when the results are negative. So it, there's a reason why things have increased, because it's very helpful. There was an article just like a month or so ago in AJR from Jim Thrall, the group of Mass General, uh, looking at management of patients presenting to the ER with non-traumatic abdominal complaints, that CT changed the leading diagnosis, increased certainty, and changed patient uh, management decisions. And it wasn't in small numbers. Look at the rest of the numbers from that lecture. CT altered the leading diagnosis in 49% of patients and increased mean physician certainty from 70 to 92%. Management plan was changed by CT in 42%. Surgery was planned for 79 patients before CT whereas discharge was planned for a quarter of these patients after CT. So you could see CT is being used when used correctly has major impacts on how patients are managed. You talk about the theoretical potential of injury 30 or 40 years later, potentially, we're talking about injury that would happen if you didn't do the study at that moment. 
lives are at risk. So it's very important to think about things in perspective. So when you read that article by Brenner talking about that 0.4% of all cancers may be attributable to radiation, and now maybe it's 2%, that's extrapolated data, which is data which is controversial, and then you extrapolate things out, and you make the assumption that one-third of all CTs are not necessary. This is the New England Journal of Medicine. Are those people crazy to publish articles like that? How do you come out just one-third are un unnecessary? How do you know that? Now, I think all of us would agree, at times, some scans, the uh, you know maybe it's overuse, and we're all trying to get optimal use, and that's both the referring docs and us, but often this overuse, quote-unquote, is done in retrospect because the study is negative. But studies will be negative. I mean, we think about appendicitis. CT has led appendicitis from 30% or so patients with negative appendices at surgery to almost none. So if you do a CT that shows no appendicitis, patient can go home. Now, is that a useless study? No, that study may have prevented the 30% of patients who would have gone to surgery had anesthesia put, set themselves up in the future for possible adhesions and bowel obstruction. So you got to be very careful what you're talking about. Also, in terms of dose, we've spoken before about the need for quality scans. You don't need a Picasso image every time, but you need a quality image. Melvin Cohn, as a pediatric radiologist, makes the point that one of the risks of radiation is and a little discussed risk is that of missing a diagnosis because of suboptimal image quality as a consequence of radiation exposure settings that are too low. It makes the point very nicely when performing CT, one needs to maintain a balanced perspective between the equally important risk of excessive radiation and the consequence of erroneous diagnosis. Balter, similar article most recently, selecting the optimal procedure for an individual patient requires consideration of many factors of benefit and risk. Too much attention to radiographic, uh, to re radiogenic risk may distract attention from other risks and potential benefits, which may not be in the patient's best interest. Radiogenic cancers are a late statistical risk because of the years of latency two decades between a radiation and clinical cancer, there is no radiogenic risk if the patient does not survive long enough to manifest the cancer. You gotta manage patients correctly. Now, we do know we gotta do better. Here was a recent article in the Journal of the American College of Radiology that made the point that in the state of Washington, when you looked at trauma centers, there was a wide range of radiation dose between the various centers and in fact there was more than a tenfold variation in estimated median effective dose for a baby within level four trauma centers. So again we need to optimize our protocols, get the best protocols and everyone should be using the best protocols. Now an article also recently by Zeman made the point that when you're just looking at numbers it's very hard for radiologists to predict which is the best examination in terms of dose that's something very, very hard to look at numbers. And so you need to be very careful that the protocols are designed correctly so when you're planning it, things are indeed done perfectly. Um, other articles do relate this host CTDI and uh, CTDI VAL, making the point you have to be very careful that CTDI cannot be used as a surrogate for patient dose, either in epidemiologic assessments of potential late effects or for potential detrimental effects short-term, like skin injury, neither CTDI nor its derivative dose length project, product 
should be used to estimate effective dose or potential risk for any individual patient. Very, very important. Now, again, flip things around. It's important that we do the best studies possible at the lowest dose. And so things like ACER, using low MAS, are indeed all things that can become important. And we'll speak about that in a moment in more detail. We also make the point that we've got to be careful what we're telling patients because there's massive confusion. A good article by Dower recently, the confluence of these concepts has triggered a classic media-driven social amplification of the perceived seriousness of, of an accident or normal clinical practice. This can result in the stigmatization of radiation in medicine, which may result in a loss of public confidence and reluctance of patients to undergo necessary examinations or treatments. Again, we need to be certain what patients are being told, and we're going to speak about that in the context of this lecture. Now, we do, on the flip side, again, I'm showing you both sides of the story. We all know that sometimes we have to be very careful, particularly patients with chronic diseases. They can have too much radiation because they get many studies over many years. Incremental risks are estimated to exceed 1% of base of baseline in 7% of scanned patients. And this article by Sodexin from a couple years back talk about some of the super high doses patients have gotten. And these are patients with chronic pancreatitis or chronic debilitating diseases where they do need CT scans. And each scan in and of itself is justified, but they may get too many scans over time. So again, we need to be very conscious of that possibility. Now, when you talk about radiation, and I made the point at the meeting that questions that are typically asked. What's the truth about radiation exposure and CT? What are the true risks? We hear a lot, but what is truth? What's the FDA's position? Where are they standing in terms of truth? What does the public believe in? How do we make that them confident that we're doing the right thing for them? What is organized radiology doing? What are the payers thinking about? And what is it that we can do today or soon to make our practice state-of-the-art in radiation safety? So what I did with the meeting is, and these are the times which don't matter to you, but I had three areas that I wanted to focus on in the meeting, and I had like three or four speakers in each session, and then a half hour Q&A. And I had things broken into radiation and CT, the issues, radiation, radiology in the public, and dose reduction in practice. So let me share with you some of those sessions. So the first session had three speakers, Fred Mettler, Walter Huda, and Captain Sean Boyd from the FDA. So let me tell you what was said. Fred Mettler spoke about some of the issues with radiation, the good and the bad, the fact that we can't make incredible diagnosis, and the potential issues with radiation. And Walter Huda spoke about CTDI volume and DLP, how they're used, making the point, and here's one of his slides, that CTDI volume is, not the, is the same for all scans, but CTDI does not account for scan length. And so when you're looking at exposure to a patient, that becomes very, very important. Captain Sean Boyd spoke about some of the FDA efforts and made the point that the FDA is trying to work with organized radiology, with radiologists, with the vendors, trying to really make things happen for maximum safety. Talked about common goals, improved equipment safety, better trained operators, enhanced quality assurance practices, which everyone agrees with. They talked about how trying to reach some uh, 
basic statements, levels where equipment default protocols deliver reasonable dose, equipment controls access to image parameters and exam protocols, equipment notifies providers before delivery of high dose. So again, you're looking at three safety features. He talks also about information systems and how that will help. System automatically collects and transmits imaging parameters and dose information to the hospital information systems, to the EHR, to local and national dose registries. Equipment retrieves information from data systems automatically evaluate dose against the RL so again trying to automate things make things ever better and ever safer and I just listed here and you could actually stop this lecture and look at this but here are the series of references he did give so that may be of some help to you uh, in your work so I'm not gonna spend any time going over those but just to make the point now the next series was what I called radiation, radiology in the public, and we had four speakers. And this was really just an incredible session. And the first speaker was Walt Bogdanich from the New York Times, and I invited him and he kindly accepted. Um, he's the assistant editor of investigations for the New York Times, and most of you know who he is, or if you don't know who he is, you read his articles, and this was the bibliography in the Times, and I just took the last nine articles. He's looked at things, and this is where he started, where uh, radiation of infants was too excessive, people weren't careful enough, and you can see the type of articles. And when you look at his articles and read them, he's indeed been very, very fair reporting the facts. It's not USA Today, it's the New York Times. And he really represents the face of the public because it's what the public is reading and he's really he's an investigative reporter and just to tell you who he is uh, a little bit further he used to be at 60 minutes worked for the Wall Street Journal but he has won an incredible number of awards and most impressively uh, it's all within the medical field uh, he's won three Pulitzer Prizes now one could ask what does that mean well, Pulitzer Prize is the ultimate goal, right? If, if you're writing, and winning a Pulitzer Prize is like, you know, the career is like winning an Oscar. But he's won three of the Pulitzer Prizes. One, uh, way back when, for looking at safety record of the U.S. railroad industry, and for one on substandard medical laboratories. He's won many other awards. But if you ask the question, and I did to myself, actually, what does it mean to win three Pulitzer Prizes? Only four people have ever won four Pulitzer Prizes. Two of them are Robert Frost and Eugene O'Neill, people you're, you're well aware of. And I have a funny feeling that he probably will win his fourth for the whole issues on radiation. But he spoke very clearly about how he got involved in the process, how he's really sort of trying to make certain that things are better. He was very complimentary about the meeting, about how we're really focusing on optimizing things. He also was very nice in commenting that radiologists did not kind of argue with his facts, but simply said, how can we do things better? So again, very, very impressive. And if you weren't there, you missed an incredible talk. The next speaker was Jim Brink, and Jim's chair at Yale, and he's one of the co-directors of this Image Wisely campaign, and it's something that all of us should be looking at very carefully, talking about this pledge of safety. You can read this online at the Image Wisely campaign. You can find it in the ACR. There's a pledge, there's accreditation of your site, and participation in the Dose Index Registry. Those are your three commitments. And again, very, very important 
uh, this Image Wisely campaign focusing on what we all think about, the right exam, perform the right way for the patient, making sure the dose is optimized, and all of the things. It really is a safety campaign and a quality control and a quality excellence campaign. And Jim went through that very nicely. He spoke about how uh, there's been articles about it, how it's been presented at the RSNA, and it's really this campaign to increase awareness about adult radiation protection. And again, it's not just for radiologists, it's for all imaging providers, physicists, technologists, the equipment manufacturers are involved. Again, tremendous information, and they're working also closely with the FDA. And here is their website, so something very important to look at. Now, the focus is adults because there's another campaign that you're probably aware of, Image Gently, and Marilyn Gosky is one of the key people involved in that. And that campaign, which has been about four years old, is to provide optimal uh, care for children worldwide. A lot of people involved. You can see over 800,000 people, techs and radiologists and physicists, with a mission statement for safety. And she spoke about that very nicely, and you could read a lot about that online. And finally, in this session, Michael Pentecost used to be chair at Georgetown. He's Associate Chief Medical Officer at Magellan Health. And he spoke about the healthcare plans and how what they're trying to do to reduce radiation from education to privileging to accreditation to research, trying to minimize repeat exams, trying to make things more efficient. They talk about things they've done in terms of optimizing exam selection, uh, trying to inform patients. And there's a little bit of controversy how to do this, but radiation calculator, for example, to patients so they know their relative risk. And these slides are a little bit out of, uh, not as sharp, I took these off a PDF. But it makes the point that imaging is growing. And what they're trying to do is not limit the use of imaging, but use it wisely. And he made the point that if you look at this map, for the same conditions, variations are substantial, both state-wise and individual provider. Look at the difference between left and right of the chart. I mean, some people are way off the chart, and obviously that's not good medicine, it's not good radiology, and so they're really trying to bring everyone to an optimal state, and his talk was really good. Lots and lots of questions. The third session was by four very well-known radiologists who focused on different aspects of things many of us or most of us can do today. Marilyn Siegel spoke about dose reduction techniques, particularly in regard to tube current and tube voltage, speaking about what we can do and what's coming along from adaptive dose shielding to automated organ-based current modulation, increased pitch scanning, iterative reconstruction, optimized tube voltage, making the point also that we need to have things that are automated, that it happens on its own. Because it's very hard when you're doing lots of patients to be thinking about each case. The computer needs to really help you optimize high speech scanning or high spiral pitch scanning, as I meant to say, that can decrease dose by up to half. Low KV, very important, can decrease dose by 40% with no change in image quality going from 120 to 100 KVP. Very important, and Marilyn gave a great talk about that. Alec Megabo spoke about dual energy and how to use dual energy, and not only can you get more information from the scans, but by eliminating 
and creating, for example, virtual non-contrast, you can get lower dose. And he did feel also that it was possible to get lower dose inherent in system design. So a very important talk. Brendan Nelson spoke about iterative reconstruction, spoke about Acer, for example. Again, making the point that post-processing can allow you to get much better quality images. And here's two images from his talk taken off his uh, PowerPoint presentation, taken from the PDFs. And again, you can see the importance of Acer. Uh, again, it's a controversial topic as to what the best noise index is. The images are a little bit noisier. It's something he mentioned we're going to have to get used to. But again, a very important area in decreasing dose. And finally, Jay Earls gave a nice talk about cardiac CT and how to minimize dose by optimizing parameters with some of the new technology, speaking about dose modulation, for example, talked about lowering KV, all of the different steps. And Jay showed very nicely that you can lower dose and yet still maintain uh, image quality. And the whole area of where things are going was one of the points he made. So four very nice presentations. And if you have the right equipment, which is not everyone has, there's a lot you can do today. So I use this quote from a, one of my favorite Dave Mason songs. We can't see eye to eye. There ain't no good guy. There ain't no bad guy. There's only you and me, and we just disagree. So in many ways, we all do disagree on some of the topics. Uh, interpretation. I think none of us disagree that we need to do things with the lowest dose, things that are safest for our patients. And I think this meeting went a long way in really teaching all of us, including myself, some of the opportunities we have and indeed we, where things are going. And hopefully this also helped you think about things and um, keep working on it because that's really where we're going. Again, lots of information online, CTSS, ImageWisely, ImageGently, FDA, all great sources of information. And with that, have a great day.